Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. internet thank you for tuning in to the first official episode of potterless the podcast documenting the tale of a 24 year old man reading the harry potter series for the first time my name is mike schubert i am that man who has not read the books yet and i am joined by harry potter fanatic and social media star alex moodhart alex do you want to say hello to the lovely oh god i'm so excited and flustered (laughs) This is the moment that I've been waiting for my whole life. Yes. So Alex was chosen to be the first guest because there has been a bountiful harvest of Snapchats and tweets and all sort of posts about how much you love Harry Potter. So how important is Harry Potter to your life? It's, <laughs> I identify a huge part of myself within the Harry Potter series. Like when I go, if and when I do go on dates, I, I need to know what house they belong in. Like it is, it identifies who you are as a person so much. It's yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it's it's very important. Which house are you in? Just to put it into reference, Hufflepuff and proud. Yeah. <laughs> so I I did Pottermore uh, uh-huh. far enough to where you do the Sorting Hat, and then I stopped playing, and I got Gryffindor. So. I think you're so great. <laughs> well, I thought I was going to get Hufflepuff because I was like, oh, like, they're the nice ones and the good friends. And then the questions were like, if you did something good, do you want people to know about it? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Like, I'm a douchebag. I'm in Gryffindor. Like, game. That's what that Yeah, means. it you're does. Fame. It does. Because it was like the nice person would have been like, no, no one has to know. But since I like being rewarded for things and getting some a little a little glory or prize receiving, if you will, I was like, wait, come on. So that definitely put me in Gryffindor. Totally fine. My, my hybrid <laughs> house is Gryffin Puff. So I got a little bit of Gryffindor. Oh, there you go. I guess I would, I would be a Puff second. Because I'm I'm not smart enough to be in Ravenclaw, and I'm not mean enough to be in Slytherin. I hope. But let's get right to it. The first okay. book, Body's- Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, or Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, if you mm-hmm. live in England. Uh, <laughs> so I have not read past chapter eight, or I've gotten up to chapter nine. So I'm exactly halfway through the book. And we're recording this to just to kind of go through what I've seen thus far and everything. So for anyone that is unaware uh, of how much I know about Harry Potter, I've read zero of the books and I have watched the first four and a half movies. So my knowledge is very limited. <laughs> I watched, I think I fell asleep during part of five. I saw like the beginning and then the end, but the middle is a blank. <laughs> So I, I'm very limited, but that's the point of this journey, Alex, is to right my wrongs and go I'm through so the Harry Potter series journey. <laughs> okay. So let's just get it started right away. We're basically just going to go through my thoughts on the first eight chapters of the book, and we're going to just talk about all sorts of things and go off on tangents, and it'll be a great little time. So chapter one, The Boy Who Lived. So it centers around the Dursley family uh, so much more than in the movies because in the movie, they were just kind of like, here's here's the Dursley family. They suck. They make Harry live under the stairs. And like, and that was kind of it. So I was yeah. surprised with how much the book talked about them and went into detail about how much they suck. Yeah, it uh I was always happy to be like, oh my god, the Dursleys are terrible. Like if any of my friends hadn't read the books, I was like, yeah, they're awful, but they're also like border- borderline sociopathic. They're oh, terrible. Yeah. Terrible human beings. They're like mini Hitlers. <laughs> they're really <laughs> awful. And in the, in the in the movies, I was like, oh, okay, like they're mean, whatever. But in the books, I'm like, oh, they're the worst. This makes yeah. sense. They're awful. They're mean for no reason except for jealousy, Petunia. <laughs> so and, yes, that's something that we learn later in the books, and we'll discuss. Which I don't think they really covered in the movies. So they have a snooty kid named Dudley. Which first off, awful naming decision by the parents to name their child Dudley Dursley. Like t- 
terrible. Uh, Paints a great picture in your mind. Yeah, and I guess that's the point. J.K. Rowling goes with some ridiculous name choices in this book, and I guess that makes sense that, you know, Dudley Dursley would be the fat, snooty kid. Right. So, uh, so they they reveal that the mom is is Harry's aunt. So it is Harry's mom's sister. Uh, and in this chapter, Mister Dursley sees odd things happen throughout the city. He sees a cat reading a map. He sees people wearing funny cloaks, and he sees a bunch of owls flying into the city. And he's very confused by all of this. Uh, while he's on his way to work, he hears people talking about Harry Potter and spreading rumors about the Potters having a son. So there's big confusion about what's going on. Uh, The mom and the dad Dursley talk. It's revealed that they know Harry exists. They know that Mama Potter is a wizard. And it's very well established that the Dursleys do not like wizards at all. Hate (laughs) them. They really really hate them. And you learn why later. Uh, So Dumbledore shows up. And here's my first gripe with the entire series. Things were great until I got to page like nine. Uh, He puts out the streetlights in the street with a device called the put outer. <laughs> Is it really called that? It's called the put outer. And you're the third person that I've complained this to. And the exact response from all of them was, wait, is it really called that? It's really called the put outer. Wow. I thought it was called like the lumina, luminous. Something. That's what someone else said. So I don't know if they renamed it later in the series or in the movie or what, but in on like page nine or whatever, they say the put outer. I mean, straight to the point. So but he, good like, <laughs> Dumbledore is the most powerful wizard that we know of. And he yep. couldn't think of a better name for the put outer than the put outer. It's, you know what? Sometimes <laughs> it's the simple things that really get you by. Shoobs. <laughs> We're going to judge. Shoobs. Uh, I, I bet you, you had a put her outer. I do. But <laughs> see, you can't even, you can't even just, it's so bad. <laughs> it sounds like I'm trying to put out on hey, a first date. Hey, that could be a better name. <laughs> okay. So uh, Dumbledore and his put outer, uh, they meet up with Professor McGonagall, who has revealed that she was the cat. Uh, she's super pissed off because the wizards are celebrating that Voldemort or the one who he, what is it? He who shall not be named. (laughs) He who must not be named. Uh, there's, she's mad that they're celebrating that he's gone, but apparently he's had 11 years of terror. So, you know, she needs to remove the stick out of her butt because 11 years is a long time. Yeah. It's a very, very long time. He who must not be named is a terrible, terrible, terrible man. He's actually a mini Hitler. Yeah. And he's got no nose and he's like a snake looking dude. This is the things I know so far. So Dumbledore, which is, this is what I love. He gets super mad at McGonagall for doing the, for calling him you-know-who instead of just straight up Voldemort. And I was like, yes, like this is good because the whole you-know-who, he shall not be named. I think it's so dumb. (laughs) Well, for now. Oh, yeah, I, I think from what I've gathered from the movies, like the whole stereotype or superstition is that if you say Voldemort, like bad things happen, like it's a bad luck thing, like stepping on a crack. Is that what it is? You'll see. Oh, I'll see. OK, good. But yeah, a big thing is don't spoil anything. I've only read yeah. halfway through the first book. So yeah. she tells Dumbledore that there is a rumor that Lily and James Potter are dead and Dumbledore confirms. So then she starts crying, which to me is like, oh, Lily and James Potter must have been really cool. They were one of the greats. Oh, no. So Dumbledore says that they have to leave Harry Potter with the Dursleys. And McGonagall is super pissed because she has been kind of following the Dursleys around and thinks they're horrible people. But Dumbledore says it's best so that Harry doesn't grow up knowing that he's famous. So I guess that makes sense. I don't know. Anyway, Hagrid shows up on his flying motorcycle with Harry in swaddling clothes, drop him at the door, and then they all decide to join in on the celebrations. And that's the end of chapter one. So chapter two, which is the vanishing glass. Mm -hmm. So Dudley Dursley is turning 11 and it's his birthday and Harry has to make him breakfast. That's the rule. So that's what happens with any young boy's birthday. Their little slave boy has to make them breakfast. The slave boy that lives under the stairs has to make them breakfast. Yeah. Standard. (laughs) So Dudley's super pissed off that he only has 36 presents, which apparently is two less than last year. Honestly, fucking rude. (laughs) Wait, rude that there's only 36 presents or rude? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. So his parents promise him three more and then he's okay. Harry was supposed to get babysat by some cat lady, but she broke her leg. So they have to bring Harry along to the birthday bash. Oh, Harry sucks. <laughs> uh, that old lady just had to break her damn leg. So selfish. So uh, the worst. So they go to the zoo. They bring him with it. And then the narrator reveals that weird stuff happens to Harry that he can't explain. After he gets his hair cut, it grows back immediately. He's running away from bullies and jumps onto a school roof. Uh, he tries to wear an ugly sweater and it shrinks every time he tries to put it on. So little hints of wizardry. Puberty. <laughs> oh, wizard puberty. That's what it is. Oh, is no, that? No, no, that's what? like regular human puberty. That's what happened to me. Oh, oh. <laughs> I thought this was like wizard puberty, girl. which makes sense of why they start wizard school at age like 12. Exactly. Oh, this makes so much sense now. I was wondering. I'm actually really proud of myself that that was like the real explanation, but. I mean, it would make sense though. Like you're becoming, you're becoming a man. You're becoming a wizard. (laughs) We're going to roll with it. I like it. We just broke ground on a genius idea. One that J.K. Rowling probably thought of. Uh, Okay. So uh, they go to the zoo and they go to the reptile room. There's a giant snake that is sleeping. Uh, It rises winks at Harry. Harry winks back, the sly devil that he is. And then the snake looks at the family and then gives Harry a look, which I will translate by the narrator's description as saying, these bitches, uh, Mm kind of sympathizing with Harry that he has to put up with them. Harry makes the glass disappear and the snake gets out. And then the snake turns to Harry and says, Brazil, here I come. Thanks, amigo. My next gripe with the book, or I guess the movies, why was that line not in the movies? That's the greatest line ever. Well, you just can't understand what the snake is saying because you can't speak parcel tongue. Uh, but I thought in the movie it says thanks, and you can hear it say thanks. I might have been mistaken. Well, yeah, you're, it does say that in the movie. Yeah. Brazil, here I come, thanks, amigo, way better. That's amazing. I like audibly laughed out loud reading a book. That should have been in the movie. <laughs> It should have been in the movie. God damn it. <laughs> I'm glad that I'm two for two on snarky comments where you re- are agreeing with me that, that they're stupid. Damn. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm another another speak. thing that is different in the book than the movie. In the movie, I'm pretty sure they make the glass disappear and then Dudley is on the other side and then the glass comes back and they're trapped. And that didn't happen at all in the book. Yeah. That, I was like confused when I first saw that in the movie. I was like, wait a second. That didn't happen. But then they just cut to exterior a dursley house so they didn't have to solve it <laughs> yeah because it it makes more sense that they didn't like get behind it because in the movie i was like wait how did they get back there and then in the book that didn't happen i was like all right this is a better this is a better yeah, decision well, in the movie dudley was pressing up against the glass and then it disappeared oh. so he fell through okay 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 cool yeah. so harry keeps having repeating visions of a green light and then a pain on his forehead and his little lightning bolt scar uh, he assumes it's the crash that his parents died in, which is the lie that the family told him is how his parents died. Uh, yeah. So he knows nothing about his parents. He's also not allowed to ask about his parents. His his step family of the Dursleys just won't give him any information. So in public around the town, a few wizards start to notice him. They like wave at Harry. They bow at him. They shake his hand. And he's confused every single time. And that is the end of chapter two. <sighs> Chapter three, the letters from no one. Uh, I have very few notes about this because it was a pretty straightforward chapter. Uh, He gets the Hogwarts letter. The Dursleys are freaked out that it specifies that Harry lives in the cupboard under the stairs. Uh, Magic. Yep. They decide to not tell Harry what the letter says, but then they move him into Dudley's second bedroom, uh, which turns out to be a storage room for his broken toys, which seems thoroughly excessive. Yeah. I mean, I had one. (laughs) So then he gets a letter saying like, in the smallest bedroom. So then they're super freaked out. There's letters coming in everywhere. And I remember in the movie that the letters are just kind of like flying in through the chimney and stuff. But in the book, they say that they're inside of milk cartons and inside of eggs, which is way cooler. I know. I was looking forward to that in the movie and then it didn't happen. I was like, (sighs) so much cooler. Like Christopher Columbus directed that first film. I don't know where his expertise was lacking in that first movie. Wait, Christopher, the guy, the director's name is Christopher Columbus? Yeah. <laughs> he got fired, though, because the first movie, honestly, wasn't that good. See, and I think that that 
that's like what I remember. Cause I remember I didn't read the books and then they made the movie of it. And I was like, all right, I'll watch the movie. And if I like the movie, I'll read the books. And I remember not liking the movie. It wasn't the best. You know, I've seen better. <laughs> I've seen better variations of the first Harry Potter book in movie form. Like, you know? like wizard people, dear right. reader. Cause that's the greatest yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, so good. Okay, so then Pop drives them on this crazy excursion to go to this cabin that's in the middle of the no- in the middle of nowhere. They have to like use a boat to get to this cabin, uh, and then you enter Chapter Four, the Keeper of the Keys, or as I like to call it, Hagrid fucks shit up. Yeah. Uh, so Hagrid comes because he knows Harry isn't getting the letters, and he's outraged though when he learns that Harry doesn't even know that he's a wizard. Like he was okay ish at the fact that they were hiding the letters but the fact that harry's like wait i'm a wizard he's goes like ape shit on the dursleys it's bollocks (laughs) yeah so then we get the glorious line of you're a wizard harry uh which made me really happy to read (laughs) i heard sing and it's on birthday yeah it's it's just super sweet uh so and all of it so uh hagrid announces that he's taking him shopping and then aunt petunia is there and then she lets out all this baggage that she was pretty much just super jealous that her parents liked her sister more than her because she was a wizard and was more interesting and she was super jealous that her sister found love in james potter who's an awesome human being and was this covered in the movie at all? Because I really don't think it went this deep. No, she was just like, your sister got blown up, blah, 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 blah. She was a witch. We had a witch in the family. And like her jealousy was clearly um, explained through her dialogue. Mm. And that's all that we heard. Okay, because the book goes like real deep and it's like, oh, she has all this like pent up aggression and hatred and just is taking it out on Harry. And it like, yeah. it actually gets like kind of deep. This is why I've liked the book way more than my experience with the movies. Right. It's far better. <laughs> so uh, in in this giant rant, she reveals the true death to Harry, like you're saying, the blown up thing, which is kind of ridiculous to tell an 11-year-old kid like in an angry tone, like, your parents exploded. That's how they died. Which, yeah. <laughs> so Hagrid then describes Voldemort to Harry. He says that uh, he was a great wizard, but then he went bad. He looked for followers like 20 years ago, got really powerful in all the bad ways. And Dumbledore is the only person that Voldemort fears. Uh, He explains that Harry is famous because he survived the attack where Voldemort tried to kill his entire family and he was unable to kill Harry. And then Harry remembers more of his flashback after hearing this. He just like, Mm -hmm. there's more details rather than just a flashing green light. He just remembers a little more about it. And then... Papa Dursley is disses Dumbledore. He does. He, I forget what he says, but he he insults Dumbledore, and Hagrid gets like super mad, and then tries to turn Dursley into a pig, but instead just gives him a pigtail, uh, yeah. which is great. And Hagrid also reveals that he was expelled from Hogwarts, but doesn't say why. And this is my first hint of epic foreshadowing that's going to come into play later. For sure, it will. But Ooh. I was trying to think of something. Like, people don't understand, like, why it's such a big deal that Harry survived an attack from Voldemort. And it's, like, like people that haven't read the books, like, don't get, like, why it's such a big deal. And when I think about Voldemort attacking an innocent infant and it surviving whatever spell he cast, you'll find out when you hear about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it I, like, relate it to, this is going to sound so morbid, but this is honestly the same level that it's on. If someone came into whatever building you were in and just started shooting up the place, if a bullet hit everyone else and killed everyone else and like deflected off of you for some reason, but you weren't wearing anything special or like you just happened to live, even though the bullet hit you, that's what it is like. So like, it was such a big deal that an infant baby just managed to get away from such an awful attack with just a scar. Yeah. I mean, it seems very intense from my knowledge. I assume he used Avada Kedavra or the killing one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's cool that I guess, I guess infant Harry obviously didn't have a wand, so he didn't, you know, cast anti Avada Kedavra or whatever. And he just survived. So pretty dope. Didn't he survive because of his parents' love or some sort of bullshit? (laughs) Hey, (laughs) it's real. Love is real. This book solidified that love is real to me. Good. I'm glad glad in in like third grade or whenever, however old we were when this came out, that's when you were confirmed that love is true. Um, Fifth grade? How dare you? Oh, sorry. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so chapter five, Diagon Alley. Uh, So... (gasps) 
they're going to Gringotts first so they can get all the gold that Harry Potter's parents left for him. So uh, Hagrid does some heavy foreshadowing here because he uses like an entire paragraph to be like, oh, the only place more important than Hogwarts is Gringotts Bank. There's spells and enchantments inside. If anyone tried to rob it, they'd be insane. Uh, So my initial thought when reading the sentence was someone's going to try to rob Gringotts Bank. And then it happens like in the next chapter. (laughs) So he mentions the Ministry of Magic. Uh, he says that they suck and that their main job is just to keep wizards a secret from muggles. I do think that they come into play in the fifth book. That's when like Umbridge takes over. I think she's from the Ministry of Magic. And I remember yeah, from the movie. Yeah, I remember from the movie she really sucked. So I guess this kind of confirms Hagrid's description. Yeah. <laughs> so they have to get a lot of books written by people with funny sounding names. Uh, Mm -hmm. And one of which I noticed is the Magical Beast one, which J.K. Rowling totally cop out and made a book of. So is she just like now that she's done with the book, she's just going to turn all of those eight books listed into books? Because that's the biggest cop out ever. I don't think you could do all of them because they don't sound interesting. But the Magical Beast one, there's already a movie made. It's coming out soon. It's going to be amazing. Have you seen the trailer? Holy shit. (laughs) I'm watering at the mouth and other places. And didn't they make a Quidditch book one too? Did they? I think they did. I feel like they might have. Or at least it was like one of those short story things in Pottermore that you could read online or something. Oh, I was about to say, I haven't heard any of that. And the fact that I haven't heard any of it is a big deal. Then it, <laughs> yeah. it might not exist. Don't like, I am clearly not the export in, uh, in it because as you, as you'll learn, uh, I thought platform nine and three quarters was platform nine and a half. Uh, so that, yeah. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah, I'm not the expert. So don't, don't take any of my knowledge. Uh, so they, they reveal that first years are not allowed to bring their own broom, which seems problematic. Cause I totally remember Harry having the Nimbus five, 2000 or whatever. Just wait. Okay. <laughs> it seems problematic. Uh, so he takes Harry to the leaky cauldron, which is a bar and the bartender yep. is described. And this is the greatest description of a human I've ever heard. Uh, mm-hmm. the bartender is described as quote, Looking like a toothless walnut. That's the greatest. (laughs) Me on every morning possible. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm totally going to use that in an insult. If someone's like, you're dumb. I'm like, yeah, well, at least I don't look like a toothless walnut. It's an amazing insult. (laughs) I honestly aspire to look like that when I'm older. A toothless walnut. Yeah. Just a really great time with great looks. (laughs) (laughs) So the whole pub flips out uh, when they realize it's Harry and they all go up to him and start shaking hands and they meet Professor Curl, Curl, who stutters a ton, seems really nervous and teaches defense against the dark arts. And I know that the there's like, isn't it something like the defense against the dark art teachers keep going away? Like, isn't that like, okay, I remember that being a thing. So when he said, I teach defense against the dark arts, I was like, oh, so you're going to die soon. Uh, And it's the same thing with like the smoking with a white lighter, that myth, like you'll die if you do that. Ah, interesting. Do you know that? I do not. Is this? I learned about this the other day, because if you're left-handed and smoke with a white lighter, Uh Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, and one other musician, who was it? Um, They were all left-handed, smoked with white lighters, and they all died at the age of 27. Okay, I'm going to not ever use white lighters or smoke. <laughs> or smoke, you know, just not a... Not a no, I, I like my cancerless lungs, so I'm going to keep yeah. that streak going. At least until I'm past 27, clearly. <laughs> yeah, once, you're, once you turn 28, you're, you're in fine. Here. Yeah, okay. So, uh, he'll come into play later, I'm sure. Uh, and then I've learned later that he does. So, they tap the brick... To go into Diagon Alley, that seems very problematic that the security system is just tapping a particular brick. Like, what if you accidentally hit a brick? Listen, (laughs) who's going to get back to that brick wall unless they're a wizard in Diagon Alley? I don't know, man. What if you, like, were playing baseball and you hit and a ball goes off that brick? (laughs) I thought it had to go in, like, a certain pattern, no? It's just a certain... Well, I think he taps it three times, but he taps it with his umbrella, which you learn holds half of his wand in because Ollivander mm-hmm. later is like, you don't still have your wand that we broke, do you? And he's like, what? No. As he grips his umbrella tighter. So you learn that his umbrella is a wand. Uh, he yeah. taps it with the umbrella. So maybe you need a wand to tap the brick 
in yeah. order to make it open. That's what I'm thinking. Using your brain for once, shoes. <laughs> so they walk through the alley. They go to Gringotts. Uh, it, <laughs> this is my favorite is that like there's a sign that rhymes that tells people not to steal things, which totally hints that Voldemort is going to steal things. They hey. they keep foreshadowing that someone is going to steal things from Gringotts. It's really heavy handed. So when you're a little teenager just reading this for the excitement of magic and wizardry, you're not paying attention to foreshadowing <laughs> clues. All right. Sorry, I'm a 24 year old man and I'm snarky. So yeah. uh, Hagrid says, quote, you'd be mad to try and rob it. So uh, totally happening. So they yeah. ride a mine car to Harry's vault and he is straight loaded. He's got gold out the wazoo. Yes. Uh, Hagrid gets motion sickness on the mine car, even though he drives a flying motorcycle. There's no turbulence with a flying motorcycle. It's very aerodynamic. I see. Sorry, I forgot. (laughs) Magic, I forgot. Uh, So Hagrid gets some secret package, which Harry describes as being like really ugly wrapping from Vault 713 for Dumbledore. And he's super (gasps) hush-hush about what this vault is or what the package is or anything. It's super sketch, so definitely going to come into play later. Uh, yeah. So some, <laughs> I have this described as some snooty runt talks to Harry about brooms and Quidditch and houses. Oh, this is the snooty runt that I assume turns into turns out to be Malfoy, and then I learned he does. <laughs> yes. I was like, this guy's a punk. I bet he's Malfoy. <laughs> yeah. He sucks. He mentions that he's going to be in Slytherin. He already uh, insults Hufflepuffs, which is the first of many times when random people are just like, oh, Hufflepuff sucks. Uh, so rude. Yeah, I, like J.K. Rowling just really tries to lay down the groundwork that Hufflepuff is lame, which I feel like is very unfair. I like to call that Hufflephobia. Ah, nice. I just made that up right now. I feel so smart. It's good. Real good. It's a play off of homophobia. <laughs> <laughs> which is also a horrible thing. Hagrid gets Harry an owl for his birthday, which is great. Then they go to Ollivander's, and this dude is the creepiest guy ever. Uh, but he's he just keeps talking in detail about Harry's dad's wand. Uh, also, all the wands range between eight and twelve inches, which is way too suspect. Like, come on, did it, did it have to be between eight and twelve inches? Like, like my dick. Like the guy's going into great details. Like, oh, your dad had an amazing eleven-inch wand. It was the finest one I've ever sold. Like, that's what she said. <laughs> it was way too creepy. It was a bit, a bit much. I don't know if J.K. Rowling was drunk when she wrote this chapter or was particularly horny, but it was getting. I was getting a little uncomfortable. Yeah, girl's got to get some. Yeah. Knowing that third graders are reading this book, I was like, mm, JK, why don't you tone it down a little bit? Uh, <laughs> so then he picks out a 13.5 inch wand that yeah. shared and gives it to Harry. Uh, and it has the Phoenix feathers that have only been given to one other wand. And it's Voldemort's dun, 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 foreshadowing dun. that Harry might be evil. Uh, oh, <laughs> so... Uh, oh, it costs eight gold galleons, and I googled what the conversion rate is, and that's like eighty four dollars. That's some serious. Bl- it's like college textbooks, y'all. Yeah, not expensive, except you actually use your wand. So uh, maybe not so much like. Well, I mean, textbooks. I use my my wand. You know, my thirteen point five inch. <laughs> no. Hey, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors who make this show possible. This episode of Potter List is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club 
them is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are. So it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want. And then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash potterless. Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slap pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you want to collect some cards or rip open some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. So chapter six, uh, the journey from platform nine and three quarters, not nine and a half. Dudley is terrified of Harry now after all the magic stuff. And the parents completely ignore Harry's existence. So this is a great turn of events. Harry gets dropped off at the station. He mentions that he has to go to platform nine and three quarters. And the parents are like, that doesn't exist. Good luck finding it, nerd. And then they just leave. (laughs) Yeah, that's so rude. They're just like, get out of here. We don't like you. We don't want to see you anymore. So Harry's like freaking out because he has 10 minutes until he can catch his train. But then he sees a bunch of redheads jumping through a brick wall. And it's the Weasley family. Ah! (laughs) And they seem lovely. Eldest Weasley is a prefect. Uh, They don't say what this means, but I assume the prefects are like the nerd goody-goody two-shoes of Hogwarts that are like on the honor roll. They're like essentially the hall monitors. Uh, Okay. This is what I've learned. But wait. Ghosts are hall monitors, as I learn in chapter seven. (laughs) So the twins uh, tease Percy about being a prefect, which is great. And this is why someone there was once uh, a thing in college where in the dorm building that I lived in, they described all the different people and said, like, what Harry Potter person they would be. And I got described as one of the twins. And I never really got it until I started reading the descriptions of all the twins. And now Wait, I, I got the description, too. Oh, my God. We would be perfect twins. Oh my God. We're such great twins. I love it because basically I just make fun of everything. And I was like, yeah, I could be one of these twins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they tease him about being a prefect. And it's great. Oh, I had a note here. I said, because for everyone listening, I just have a list of notes that I'm reading as I as I write them, as I read the book. I have, quote, I assume prefects are the nerds. Hermione's totally going to want to be a prefect. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hermione's too cool to be a prefect. Oh, really? Okay. She seems like the worst. I hate her so much after like five pages. She's just like the know-it-all teacher's pet hater. Yeah, she is annoying at the beginning. I mean, just like in the movie, she's annoying at the beginning. Yeah, I uh, assume she'll come into her own and chill down and be normal. Um, So then Ginny Weasley, when she finds out that it's Harry on the train, wants to meet Harry really badly, which I think is an amazing foreshadowing since she eventually marries Harry and they have children and all this stuff. I love that the first interaction is like, oh my god, I want to meet Harry so bad! Like he's in One Direction or something. Yeah, it's like (laughs) Harry Styles! That's what I was about to say! Oh my god, we are twins! We're the twins! (laughs) So So I think that's great. I don't know if uh, J.K. Rowling planned that from the beginning, but I think it's hilarious that that's the first interaction that the two have is Ginny fangirls over Harry. Uh, So good. So Ron is shy about living up to his family's reputation, and he's also like shy about them being poor. So it's like really deep. And I feel like this also was not like described in the movie at all like it's like they get into some like emotional topics like they talk about how harry uh is like really scared that he doesn't know anything about magic and all these people think he's famous like him and ron share this like pretty intimate moment about how they're both like really scared about not living up to expectations and it's like really deep and not covered in the movie at all the only hint about ron's insecurity about being poor that you see um, in the first movie is like when he pulls out something to eat and it's like a mushed up sandwich yeah, like from yeah. his pocket that's been sitting there for a few hours and Harry's like, I got you. Let's take the whole thing from the trolley. Yes. Um, and then Harry's insecurities about not knowing any magic is 
just apparent when he first gets into the school and he's like, what is all of this? <laughs> and everyone else knows exactly what's happening. Yes. Harry buys 12 silver sickles worth of candy uh, from yep. the cart. And I Googled that and that's about $7, which seems like not a lot, but the book describes it as like bushels of candy. <laughs> so much. <laughs> so you're, yeah, what you said. So Ron has like shitty sandwiches and Harry's like, yeah, I'll give you some candy for it. And then doesn't eat the sandwich. Um, so they, they do the whole chocolate frog thing when they come with, like, trading cards. And Harry very conveniently gets an Albus Dumbledore card. And he's like, who's this? And Ron's like, oh, you don't know Dumbledore? Let me describe Dumbledore for a page and a half so that when we meet it's Dumbledore, so you understand how important he is. I think it's very convenient and perfectly placed. Okay, so then it says that Dumbledore did a lot of alchemy work with his partner, Nicholas Flamel, and partner has a whole new meaning after two years ago or whatever when J.K. Rowling was like, oh, Dumbledore's gay, by the way. So it's like his partner. Um, also, it's Flamel. Oh, so, <laughs> sorry. I was reading it. I didn't know. Get it right. Sorry, Nicholas, Nicholas Flamel. So Neville Longbottom lost his toad in the train. Hermione's being a goody-goody two-shoes and is, like, trying to find it. Terrible. Uh, this is a direct quote that I've written down. Hermione is a try-hard piece of shit know-it-all and judges Ron's attempt at turning his rat yellow when she realizes it's not a real spell. Yeah. <laughs> Sunshine, Daisy, bottom mellow, turn the stupid fat rat yellow. Oh. Not real Ron. Wow. You. <laughs> I'm so glad I picked you to be the first one. Oh, so great. <laughs> You're so knowledgeable. I know way too much. So Ron tells Harry Potter that someone tried to rob a high security vault in Gringotts. Uh, <gasps> I then wrote, I knew it really large. <laughs> <laughs> really large. I knew it was happening. I didn't realize it would happen like two chapters later. Yeah. So they said nothing happened to the people that tried to rob them. It, they weren't caught. It seems like they didn't take anything, and normally the security door would have, like, made them vanish or die or whatever, and nothing happened to them. So everyone's like, whoa. Ron then describes Quidditch to Harry. Uh, the snooty kid comes back and is revealed to be Malfoy. So, again, I was right. Uh, mm -hmm. And I need to realize that I shouldn't be, like, proud that I know these things since I, I know, like, what happens. So when I'm like, oh, I knew it. It's like, come on. Uh, also, this book is for, like, 10-year-old children. So... Hey. <laughs> All ages, it's universal. It's <laughs> uh, like a Pixar movie. So then it is revealed that uh, Papa Malfoy used the excuse that he was bewitched under Voldemort and has returned to like be a good wizard again. And Ron immediately thinks this is a bunch of bull. So they get off the train, they get onto boats, and then they go into Hogwarts. And then it's chapter seven, the sorting hat. <gasps> so McGonagall explains the house system. Uh, everyone is terrified because they think there's going to be a test before the hat goes on. So, like, Hermione's, like, reciting all these spells and people are, like, flipping through books and Harry's just, like, frozen, petrified. Yeah. <laughs> the hat sings a song uh, and then it's revealed that there's no test. He just goes on your head and then picks it. He describes that Gryffindor is for brave people, Hufflepuff is for loyal people, Ravenclaw is for nerds, and Slytherin is for cunning people. A lot of people with weird names then get sorted. Some of them are very quick. Others, it takes a lot of time. One of those it takes a lot of time is Harry. Uh, so Harry, after much deliberation, gets Gryffindor. And then the nervous teacher, Quirrell, is described as wearing a turban, which means he's the guy at the end of the book where Voldemort is living in the turban. I know this happens from the movie, and I think, don't tell me since I'm not there, but I'm pretty sure the giant snake comes into play. I don't know if that's in this book or in book two, but... I remember in the movie, one of the movies, there was a giant snake involved, and it might be this, but I do know that Voldemort is living in someone's turban, and they say this guy has a turban, so now it's all coming together. <laughs> giant snake, what a noob. <laughs> Called by a scientific name, a basilisk. Oh, sorry. <laughs> anyway, there's tons of awesome food, which is actually normal human food and sounded really good. They meet the official ghost of Gryffindor, nearly headless Nick. And yeah, so like, he, he mentions that Slytherin has won the House Cup for the past six years in a row, which is a travesty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he says it's like the longest drought that Gryffindor has gone without winning it. So obviously they're going to win it this year. Well, because obviously Gryffindors are so great. I right? mean, we yeah. really are the best. <laughs> We're just so courageous. We're so courageous and so awesome. You're all star athletes and star people. <laughs> Oh, man. 
Neville Longbottom says that his family thought he was a muggle until very late in life. That makes Harry feel better about himself. The turban that Turban Teacher is wearing is described as, quote, an absurd turban, uh, which I just think is a great description. There is a, quote, hook-nosed teacher uh, that looks at Harry with a very <laughs> funny look. And I was like, this has to be Snape. And then four pages later, they reveal that it's Snape. So there's a rumor that Snape wants Turban Guy's job. He wants to teach Defense Against the Dark Arts, but instead he's stuck teaching potions. So Dumbledore gives like the basic rules. He says that there's no magic in the hallways. The Forbidden Forest is off limits, which makes sense since it's called the Forbidden Forest. And then there's some particular room that is off limits, but doesn't give any reasoning. Uh, And Percy the Prefect is like, they didn't even tell the prefects. This is so strange. (laughs) (laughs) Percy, God, what a kiss ass. (laughs) Him and Hermione, uh, I wish they got together instead of Hermione and Ron. You just, you wait. Oh, eat those words in a few bucks. Oh man. Oh man. So they say, uh, everybody sings some crappy Hogwarts song. Uh, there's a bunch of ghosts, like one named Peeves, uh, one named the bloody Baron, who is the only one that can control Peeves. Uh, and then Harry has some dream where the turban tries to tell Harry to join Slytherin, further confirming that Voldemort lives in the turban. Malfoy <laughs> laughs and then turns into Snape. Uh, and then there's the green light again. And then Harry wakes up. And then the narrator says, Harry forgot the dream immediately after waking. And I was like, man, this is a really important dream. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have to forget it? Right. You need that information. You need to be on your guard at all times. Yeah. So then chapter eight, the last chapter that I've read, uh, the potions master. So there's people in the halls. I assume these are the non first years, like whispering about Harry, like spreading scuttlebutt rumors. And they're like, oh, he's here now, blah, blah, blah. They describe the hallways of Hogwarts seeming like the worst things in the world. Uh, because the stairs move, some doors are fake, some doors require tickling in order to open, uh, ghosts mess with you and make you late for class, uh, they hall monitor, Peeves sucks, the caretaker Argus Filch is even worse, he has some cat that patrols the hall, uh, it calls for Filch, and everybody hates him. <laughs> yeah, Filch is the worst. But you know what? I really wish that the movies included um, Peeves. They don't have Peeves in there, and he's oh. such a big part of the books. Okay, because I when they were describing him, I was like, I don't remember this guy existing at all. Yeah, it's a bummer. Everybody hates him, uh, and they just cause a bunch of ruckus. So Harry is confused about like how many different things they have to study. They have to like study the constellations. They have to study herbology with Professor Sprout. Really convenient that someone with the last name Sprout happens to be good at herbology. Like, yeah. What if that person was like the Quidditch coach? she'd be great at that as well Professor Sprout's such a bamf and she's also the head of house of Hufflepuff (gasps) aww she's so loyal I know I love her she's so <laughs> and then they say that history of magic is the most boring subject. I'm glad that history always proves to be the worst subject, even in wizard school. Even in wizard school. So then Quirrell uh, is described as being weird as hell in class, puts garlic everywhere, uh, and then says that's because of vampires. I don't know if that's the real reason or if the garlic will put people off the scent that Voldemort lives in his turban. I don't know. That's that, that's yeah. a thing. <laughs> so many people are very bad at magic. So Harry feels more secure about himself when he's like, oh, no one here knows what they're doing. Cool. Snape is the head of Slytherin House and plays favorites. McGonagall is the head of Gryffindor and doesn't play favorites because Gryffindors are the best. Air. <laughs> so Snape, uh, they go to Snape's potion class and Harry is convinced that Snape hates him because Snape is a huge douchebag to Harry in class. He like yes. asks him these impossible questions that Harry doesn't know the answer to. But of course, Hermione knows all I the answers. All them, yeah. <laughs> she knows everything. And I remember this very, very well being... Uh, described in the movie. They did a great job of her being the worst. So when this happened in the book, I was like, yep, yep, totally. Um, So Neville messes up some potion, spills cauldron everywhere, boils start growing all over him. Snape blames it on Harry, though, and then deducts house cup points from Gryffindor. The worst. The worst. Uh, Harry and Ron then go to visit Hagrid. There's more details about the Gringotts break-in. Word on the street is that it is the work of dark wizards. They said nothing was taken, but also that the contents of the vault were cleared beforehand, and the goblins are keeping these contents a secret, and they find out that it happened on the day that Harry and Hagrid are there. So basically, it's like whatever they were trying to steal 
Hagrid got just in the nick of time. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the Sorcerer's Stone because they, oh ha- they, <laughs> they haven't said anything about it yet. So maybe that's what it is. They also haven't said who the Sorcerer slash Philosopher is. Uh, so that's my my running theory is that it's the Sorcerer's Stone. I literally just thought of it now as as I was describing this. So I'm really hoping it turns out to be that. Uh, and that is the end of chapter eight. And that's where I'm at right now. So. Uh. You have so much more of an adventure to go on. I'm I so jealous. It's great. I have I have six and a half more books, and I have eight movies because they make two out of the seventh. So ah, so good. I have so much. So how, it, how do you feel about my journey thus far, and and my thoughts? Let let me know how you're feeling. <laughs> it's so great. I'm so jealous. It's like when you every Christmas comes around, you're like, I wish I still thought Santa Claus existed. It's like I wish I hadn't read the Harry Potter books so I could go through them for the first time again. It's so magical. It's like losing your virginity. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's usually not a good thing for most people their first time around. Um, I feel like reading the books is probably better. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You're going to have just so much fun. There's so much to learn. You're going to want a letter from Hogwarts after this book is done. It's it's so great. And there's just so many more details that weren't in the movies that you're going to catch on to. And it just makes the book so much more colorful and alive and real. Yeah. That's definitely the biggest takeaway that I've had is that the books like from, from the movies, I was like, Oh, okay. You know, tells the story of a wizard, blah, blah, blah. But the books actually like go into emotions and feelings and, and real kind of themes that are in books. So it kind of makes sense, but I feel like now I'm starting to get why everyone's like, no, the books are so much better as I've started to read them. I'm like, okay, they actually really are. (laughs) <laughs> and like, even it, no matter how hard you try, you just automatically become more invested with every page you read. You're like, I am on this journey. Yes, it is me, Harry Potter. Hello, welcome to Hogwarts <laughs> slash this world that we live in. It's it's unbelievable and amazing. And Hogwarts is real, and I will go there one day. Have you ever been to Harry Potter World in Florida? No, but they have the one here now. Oh, they have it in California now. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I went to a soft opening of it and it's like no one was there. And it actually was uh-huh. kind of, it wasn't the best uh-huh. because the one in Orlando is so much bigger. There's oh. no space oh, oh, here. You're, you're going to hate me again for this because I've been there. Oh my God. <laughs> I just want to go to the Gringotts ride. Oh, the Gringotts ride is dope. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I need it. Yeah. It's a good time. Um, I, or I don't, did I go on the Gringotts ride? I was in the, there's like two parts. I went mm-hmm. to the part that's connected to Islands of Adventure because I went to Islands of Adventure. So it had Diagon Alley. Um, yeah. And then it had the ride where it's like you strap in and there's a screen in front of you the whole time. I don't think it's green. Oh, else. no. That's um, oh, that's so the, the other one. You go through Hogwarts. It's yeah. like the Quidditch adventure yes. ride. So I did that. Gringotts is the other one. So I, yeah. did, I did not do that yet. Uh, but I did I did the that ride and I drank butterbeer and ate like – a wizard burger <laughs> and a wizard burger. <laughs> but butterbeer was good. Uh, I don't know what book that comes into play in, but you know, that was delicious. They have all the like cool interactive wand stuff. It like it was it was pretty cool. Uh, when yeah. I was when I was in Harry Potter world, I was like, all right, this is pretty tight. <laughs> I just need to live there. I need to be a part of this world. Yeah. We should, oh, we should go together and be the twins. We can get like the redhead wigs. And then be the Weasley twins together through Harry Potter world. <laughs> yeah, it would be beautiful. And um, one of, oh no, oh, I was about to say something and I almost just ruined it for you. Oh, good. Oh, caught myself. Good, good, yeah, no spoilers. And the people that listen to this that have read the books are going to know exactly what I almost just said. Oh, so. good. <laughs> that, that, that's what's so great. And I'm, what I'm so excited about this whole like podcast series is that like as I'll be describing things and like trying to guess about you know, foreshadowing and, and certain things that happen. Like most of the people listening have read the books and will know, and will just be like cringing, like, like I know what happens, <laughs> like right? all this stuff. Like everyone's like, Oh, I know what's in that knapsack thing. <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm I just like, Oh, I know what it is. Maybe it's a stone. So I'm really excited about that. And especially since I've only seen the first four and a half movies is that like, I assume that books like five, six, and seven, like, you know, intense stuff starts going down. So the fact that, you know, I know little bits of things here and there, 
Like, I know Cedric Diggory dies in the Goblet of Fire tournament, but I don't know, like, why Snape kills Dumbledore. And I don't know how Harry ends up defeating him in the seven. So it's exciting that I don't know any of the, like, major important things. And I'll start to learn those slowly as I read the books. (laughs) And uh, contrary to popular opinion, my favorite book is The Order of the Phoenix the fifth one. Okay. So I'm interested to see what you think about it because that's usually the least liked book out okay. of the series. Interesting. Be- yeah, because so I recorded like an intro episode before recording this one where I kind of mm-hmm. lay down all of the things I know before I started reading the book. And it's pretty pathetic how little I know. Uh, so pathetic. I didn't remember what the fifth book was called. It was the only one. I, it was the only one I couldn't remember the name of. <laughs> Order of the Phoenix, it's the best one. Yeah. I just knew it was the one where Umbridge takes over and ruins everything. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible woman. Yeah. Well, man, thanks for being a part of this. This was this was great. I'm so glad you were the first guest. The perfect introduction to Potterless. The, Me too. The journey of a 24-year-old man reading children's novels. I'm so honored. But yes, uh, so so thank you for being a part of it. Uh, everyone listening, if you want to follow Alex Moodhart uh, on the social media, it's it's his name for everything, right? It's all just at Alex Moodhart pretty much. Cool. Nailed it. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining, Alex. And listeners, thank you for doing so. Uh, if you want to... to- Continue along this journey from platform nine and three quarters. Uh, You know, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and follow along on Twitter at Potterless Pod. But yeah, thanks, man. And, um, you know, I'm glad that this journey started with you. Oh, my God. I'm about to cry. Thanks. (laughs) Oh, man. Potterless was created by Mike Schubert. It is edited by Mike Schubert. It is produced by Mike Schubert and hosted by Mike Schubert. And the music is by Bettina Campomanes. Thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, wizard on. Oh, and I forgot to mention this, but if you really like the show, please rate us on iTunes. That actually helps a ton. And I don't know, feel free to tell your friends or your mom about it. Guys, I really do appreciate you listening. And this is going to be a bi-weekly podcast. So I will see you in two weeks for the next episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.